Good morning. You're listening to the best of the Lawn and Garden Journal here on Golden West Radio. We won't be taking calls this morning. However, we will be talking gardening. Here's your host, Carla Hersina. Good morning, everyone. It's a little bit cooler out there, I have to say myself. The extra layers are going on, but kind of being a sweater weather, if you say that fast enough, girl. Uh, I love autumn. It's the colors. It's the hues. And yeah, it's even the crunchiness of the leaves that are down below. I had uh, so much fun this week with the kids, our gra- not the kids, the grandkids picking them up. And a little bit of a a playfulness, taking uh, my three-year-old granddaughter through a bunch of crunchy leaves. You think that I had opened a whole new world to her. So yes, there's some fun in nature, and it could be with crispy, colorful autumn leaves. Golden crisp leaves falling softly from almost bare trees, lifting and falling in a hushed, gentle breeze, slowly dropping to the soft cushioned ground, whispering and rustling a soothing sound. Coppers, golds, and rusted tones, mother's nature way of letting go, they fall and gather one by one. Autumn is here. Summer has gone. Crunching as I walk through their warm, fiery glow, nature's carpet rich and pure, that again will show. To protect and shield this majestic tree, standing tall and strong for all the world to see. They rise and fall in the cool, crisp air. It's time of change in this world we all share. Nature's importance reflecting our own lives, letting go of fears. And again, too, we shall thrive. That's what what is autumn is all about welcome back everyone you're listening to the lana garden journal helen is waiting good morning helen good morning how are you i'm 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 a lot better than last weekend but uh (laughs) doing doing well that's great to hear yeah i have a question regarding transplanting perennials yes Uh, is it is this a good time of year or should a person wait a little bit longer well, there's always two sides of the coin. Um, I like to say transplanting should be done now. It's a great time um, to be doing that. Uh, do you know the varieties of the perennials? And maybe I could target a little closer to them. Well, I have echinacea plants I'd like to move. And also I have some hostas that I thought I might move. Because okay. I like to move my plants <laughs> so uh, at times to get them to see what they do at different locations. So, Oh, that's that's adventurous. That's like the science project to say, okay, will you grow here or will you grow here? I like that. And, and when you said it was relaxing, yeah, that is the, re- what, the reason I do a lot of this stuff because it is relaxing and you get outside and just enjoy you know, the day of the summer. It, you know what? It is relaxing. It is It's soothing. And, and we don't really, like we're getting off the topic of dividing. We'll go through there. But the... The amount that you get out of gardening is more than just the the prettiness and the the fruits. That's for sure, yeah. And exercise. We think of the exercise and the 
there's also the mental aspect that soothes your your mind and your soul by being in something that's so beautiful. And the activity of gardening, whether you do it slow or you go hard, that's exercise. Pulling those weeds, you're using your muscles. Pulling, pulling. Yeah, or trimming trees. Excuse me. Yeah, I I enjoy it, and like I say, that's what uh, what gives me uh, a lot of good exercise in summer. And yeah, and and I uh, yeah, that's good. And I contribute um, getting outdoors and getting into that aspect is so much better for you. I I contribute it. My my uh, good morning, mum. My mum will be ninety this year, believe it or not, and she still gets out in the garden. And that is one thing: give you an activity to do. Like, you know, you don't have to do it all day, but it's fun to sort of say, I was out in the garden today, right? Yeah, Yeah, it is. Okay, let's go back to Helen's question here. Echinacea hosta. I have, so, <clears throat> yes, some echinacea and some hostas I'd like to okay. move. Okay. And I wonder if the echinacea would do well in, uh, in front of uh, my shed, where the shed faces south, so I don't know if it would be too hot there for it, and... Well, okay. Let's let's start with your. That was just a question too, and and then I have a penstemon plant that didn't make it last year, but from seed it came up this year. So I thought I'd move that around, uh, maybe to a better location. Okay. So that's basically my questions for today. Okay, let's go with the echinacea first. Um, The echinacea. I would probably say, because they can be a little fussy at some times, I would say let's wait until it comes up in the spring and then you're going to transplant it in the spring. Okay? Okay. All right. And south-facing, they will love it. Um, Echinacea loves those areas which are very warm, very sunny. And when we think of the echinacea, that belongs also in the cone family, because the cone family can also could be echinacea or it could be rutabecchia. Oh, so, yeah, this one has, like, tons of seed on it, so I don't know. Yeah, <clears throat> and let it go to self-seeding, because the echinacea... Is it a pink one? No. <clears throat> Excuse me, my throat is... Anyway, um, it starts out kind of... Uh, the first year, it started out looking kind of yellowish, the flowers, and then they sort of turn a different color, and in the end, they're quite a... The color of what uh, the sedum is right now, you know, they get that darker color. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <clears throat> so let's put that in the south. That one's done, and it would love it. And full sun, like uh, perennials like full sun. Full sun is generally six hours of sunlight, so you're going to be good. Hosta, you could do it this time. Um, so hostas, you can lift and divide and do that at this time as well. So that one. I'm sorry, you've got a little bit of work to do. You're going to be able, you're going to build muscle this weekend. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't do as many. Uh, I do, however, I feel like that day, and maybe by the next day I've changed my mind again. But <clears throat> no, I will wanted to do a few. Okay, just to All right. move them okay. to a different location. And your and your penstemon, you can also do it this time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That sounds okay. good. Yep. Alrighty. All right. Thank you so much. You oh, you're welcome. Day. You too. Thanks for listening, Helen. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. It is a beautiful sunny morning to be talking about gardening, and we're going to go right to the lines. Agnes is waiting. Hi, Agnes. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have a question. Uh, I have two lovely canna lilies in flower pots, 
and they are doing so well, and I'd love to save them for next year. Is that possible to let the pot stand outside through the winter, and will they stay alive? Um, if you leave them outside, Agnes, there's going to be a big demise, and you're not going to be happy. <laughs> Sorry, canna lilies are not hardy outside in our winter, especially in a pot. Okay. So can you, how big are the pots? Um, fairly big. Okay. Can you would lift? They, uh, would they stay alive in the garage? Uh, if your garage freezes, no. No, it has no, it to, no, the, freeze. no, if it does, if it stays chilled like a fr- ref- refrigerator, but not, um, freezing, then you can no. keep them in the garage. Uh, it it would be uh, uh, how much how warm is it or car garage? No, it's, I, it's on the warmer side. It's on the warmer. Well, oh, because yes. uh-huh. okay, it cannot freeze. Canna bulbs do not like to freeze, but they normally if if we get bulbs, they're usually in a chilled area. They keep them in a chilled state. So if the area is too big for the pots, uh, you can actually there's two trains of thought. Some people like to put the pots. And if they were small enough that to keep them in a chilled area in the soil, but you have to cut the foliage off. Or the other train of thought is, this is also the garden work portion of it, is lifting the bulbs, cleaning them of the soil, and laying them in a cool location in a basement where it's very cool. Because you'll find that the, the thickness of those tubers that are in there are going to be able to sustain it until you start getting them maybe started in March again next year. So it would be better to dig them out? Yes, I would dig the, I would dig them out and then then you don't have big pots tying up space in the garage and That's that kind of right. stuff. It's a little bit smaller. So on a, uh-huh. like today's a beautiful sunny day. Um yeah. though has some of the foliage started to die back a little bit or have you started decreasing water on it or it does it still look gorgeous? They are gorgeous, yeah. Uh, so it's it's so hard. It's they so hard so to say. I don't know. I, I hardly can think of digging it, digging them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well anyway, uh, it's the same thing with uh, mums. Uh, your, same well, thing. The mums. It yeah. depends because mums can be florist type that are non-hardy, or there is a lot of garden mums that are hardy to our zone. So uh-huh. I, um, either one, though, left in a pot will not survive the winter. All oh, because the stores, uh, yep. many grocery stores, they have such gorgeous plants outside blooming their yep. heart out. Yep. And uh, now if you buy it, and, and then you have it for maybe two, three weeks, and then it starts to snow, yep. who knows? And what do you do with that plant then? Those and I, I'm 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 one of those ones. I have my hand up right now, going. I sell mums. They're gorgeous, and some of ours are hardy perennial ones, and oh, some yeah. of them are, are some of them are the pot ones. So okay, what you need to do is even if you have um, them out for the next three weeks or until the end of uh, Halloween, because our seasons in October seem to be extended a little bit. We always seem to we're getting warmer longer. So uh-huh. um, if you if you do not know if it's a hardy one or a non-hardy oh. one, then uh-huh. um, you can plant that in the garden late in the season. Or if the ground gets too cold too fast, dig uh-huh. a little hole where you think you might be able to pop it in, if, even, if, even if it's in the pot. Bury the pot in the ground in the garden. 
and then put oh. some soil and mulch around it. But you want to make uh-huh. sure that if you do that, um, Agnes, you want to make sure that if you're going to drop the pot below ground and put a bank of soil and leaves around it, you want to make sure that it is still watered before it hits at that freeze-up season. Okay? Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, one yep. more thing. Uh, sure. You know, Lysianthus flowers? Yep. Uh, is that seed possible to buy somewhere? Uh, Lysianthus flowers, yes, you can buy the seed. Um, it's so I hard don't... to find that seed. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know that we did not have seed on the on the retail side. That's one of those ones that maybe I'm going to give a little shout out to T and T here. Maybe T and T seed would stock that. If not, there is a company called Stokes Seed that you can order online, and they oh. may have it. Okay. So if you want to okay. go local, if you want to go local, go to T and T. Hello, T and T. And then, if not, try a company. I think they're in Ontario called Stokes. S T O K E S. Maybe, maybe it's safer to uh, to buy a few plants. Okay, then you come see me. <laughs> oh, okay, I sell. Them? Yes, I sell Lysianthus. It is beautiful. Great, great. Yeah, it's, I it's beautiful. love them. And okay, thanks very okay. much. All right. Okay. Bye. Enjoy your day. Goodbye, Agnes. We'll be right back after this message. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lana Garden Journal. We're going to go right to the lines. Esther is waiting. Good morning, Esther. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from this morning? Dencross. From where? Dencross. North of Ozenzer. North no. of Ozenzer. Well, I think you're our first person from Dencross. Welcome. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, How's going uh, on Mike, The Mike product. I've used it otherwise, but now when I plan on moving trees when they're going to be dormant, can I still use the mic? Yes, you can. You can still use mic uh, product when you're transplanting and moving. And sometimes even uh, I've even used it on some occasions where something has been pre-existing in an area. Oh. But yeah, it's um, some people might not know what mic is. It's not mic your buddy. It's mic yeah. is... Yeah. Uh, um, if we let everyone know, Mike is a product that is generated that has, um, I'm going to say, energy or mycorrhizals that help with the encouragement of root development that's on there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a it's a good product. There is another product on the mar- market, too, that's called Root Rescue. And um, it does, it acts very much like Mike, but it actually mm-hmm. has, it actually has more enhanced additives and nutrients for root growth too as well so that one works well for existing trees that need that extra boost that are already planted it's okay hence hence the name root rescue it's uh okay yeah so they're good encouragements to get the roots because um in in retrospect i think we've talked about foundations of of plants and it's just like a foundation of a home we mm-hmm. need a good. We need a good concrete basement built to support the upper growth, and in mm-hmm. in plants and trees, we need good root development to sustain and hold the growth above. Okay, second question here. I have roses that have offshoots now that I would like to move, but they don't lose their leaves till almost winter. Can I take them earlier without? Yeah. 
Yeah, you can. Like in some places, and I know what you mean because I have one rose. It's a it's an old Jean Cabot rose that never seems to leave drop its leaves at all. Yeah. And um, but yes, you can, and that's a good thing that you mentioned that Esther because um, this is the season where in some t- in some cases with roses we see large growth growth growths growing straight up. And it seems like one huge branch just keep going straight up. Those are mm-hmm. water shoots. Mm-hmm. So those water shoots oh. can be trimmed. Yeah. It's called but a water blooming. shoot. Yeah, they're they will. blooming. Yeah. Well, if they're still blooming, there's still a little time. I would probably give it, maybe give it another, because the forecast is still, we're supposed to be nice for the next yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah. But uh, if you can hold off a couple of weeks, then that's good. But if you really have to do it, um, Make sure whenever you're doing your transplanting, harvesting, and lifting, I always like to prepare my hole in advance. And, okay. Uh, so less transition out of the hole um, mm-hmm. time frame. And use some of your mic product to encourage that root growth and also Good. to maintain watering uh, so that it mm-hmm. enters into the area. Okay? Very good. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for calling. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, we're going to go right to Lane. Anne is there. Good morning, Anne. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, why I'm calling, I have hydrangeas, and I always, I, I'm never sure, what do I do with them in fall? Do I leave them up, or do I take them down, or cut them down, or what, what should I do? Well, that's the story of gardening. It's half of one, or it could be half of the other, because it sometimes, <laughs> it depends on... Um, Depends on the condition. Depends on their age. Like, how old are your hydrangeas? Pretty old already. Quite a number of years, and I've been always cutting them down. But I've been, I've been looking online, and it's just to actually let them stand. So now I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering what is my best because they are an old plant already, um, and I've been dividing them over the years. And uh, but my original plant actually did die this year, so I don't have the original one anymore. But I do have the ones that I've divided and transplanted. Uh, a few of them, but I'm never sure what to do in fall. Do I let them stay or not? Yeah. Well, in in that case, when they are an older plant, um, if you want to reduce the amount of work that you do in the spring, you can take mm-hmm. their heads down. And it the hydrangeas fall in the same category as our shrubs. So rule of thumb, you can take up to one-third off the top downwards off if that's what you're looking for but sometimes those hydrangea heads look beautiful as a contrast to the landscape so they do look very pretty if you do leave them up too as well okay so that's my other question and you say take them down by about a third is that all you do because i've been taking them down right like about maybe two inches off the ground in spring is that too much that's that's going a little uh, uh, that could be aggressive and but the thing is if they're growing up as much equally as to their full capacity or the full height that you want um, we mm-hmm. have some here that we normally take about a third of them off because if you notice if you leave that twigging and branching up it, they almost seem brittle and they they don't even know like they it doesn't feel like they can sustain life in that but you will see on that old stemming how far up the new leaves will pop off that old wood on there oh okay well then i've been doing it quite wrong all the time so then okay so in other words uh whether i do it in spring or in fall it doesn't matter but about a third down and that's about but all the care they need then 
if you take one third down, but I'm not going to say you did it wrong because if you cut it down that far and it grew back to the height that you liked it to be, then was mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sometimes okay. it can go quite far. Uh, can be cut far back like that. Like uh, potentilla, I've, I had probably 15-year-old potentillas. They were the old goldfinger variety, and they were getting a little leggy. They were leaning over a little bit, and I, too, cut them down to, like, 8 inches, and they just okay. rejuvenated. But you can't do that to everything, okay? Okay. 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 So whether I, do it in, whether I do it now or do it in fall or spring, it doesn't really matter. It's your choice. How much work do you want to do My now? T- <laughs> How much do you want to yeah. do in the spring? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, super. Well, that answers my questions. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling. We'll be right back after this message. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lana Garden Journal, and we're going to go right to lines because we're eager to talk about gardening. Uh, We have Hetty on the line. Hello. Good morning, Hetty. Good morning. Good morning. And you know what? I keep forgetting everyone where they're calling from. Are you? Where are you today? Grunthal. Grenthal. Well, hello yeah. to everyone out in Grenthal. How can we help you today on the lawn? I have journal? a poinsettia that I've had outside all summer, and it is huge. And I just wonder what do I do to get it to bloom when I okay. take it in now. Okay. Um, there are certain categories of plants that need uh, a switch put on them. And, and when I say a switch, it's based on uh, hours of darkness to lightness. Uh, we mm-hmm. see we see that with mums, and also a little bit of a trigger that happens with that is also on Christmas cactus or Easter cactus or Thanksgiving cactus, and your plant falls within that category. So when you bring it in, you're going to place it in a room that still has brightness, but it has to have a time frame like eight hours of a dark period, right? Over the next few weeks, you want to continually have that darkness. So if you have an interruption of light that breaks that darkness, then you're going to delay that time frame where it will start to give you that color change in the leaf. Um, Sometimes uh, I know that I've recommended that if you can find uh, somebody that has a great big box, you can box over it so that you have that Uh, transitioning or you may have one of those bedrooms in the back that nobody goes into and you just kind of say okay it can grow in here but the lights go off at night nobody turns the lights on and voila you will start to get that transitioning of color okay that I have I have a room that nobody walks into and but it doesn't have to be dark all the time just just during the night during the night you don't you do not want interrupted that interrupted darkness period okay Okay, but during the day, whatever the sun will bring, the lightness, that's okay? Whatever the sunlight may bring, it brings. Okay? Okay. Okay? All right. I I tried it last year, but I had it in total darkness 24 hours, and that didn't No, no, no. It's a plant (laughs) in (laughs) here. We need to see the sunlight. Gardeners thrive in that sunlight aspect of it. And uh, you know what? You could just, even, I I just had a vision of a little uh, sign put on the bedroom door. Poinsettia room. Mm-hmm. You know? Keep out. <laughs> Keep out. Or no, yeah. visit visit daily during sunlight hours, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. Oh, you're very we'll give welcome. That a try. Okay, bye bye. Okay. okay. Hey, phone us back in the uh in the next couple months and see how it's doing, okay? Okay. 
Sheldon, All right. thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for calling. Uh, we're going to go right back to the lines. We have Barry waiting. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Carla. I'm calling from Steinbach, and I have a question about the fertility of my garden. Okay. It, uh, it looked rather anemic this summer, I thought. Let me tell you how I try to maintain fertility in my garden. Um, I cut my lawn really long all summer long. I do not pick up the grass. I let it drop. And then when the leaves are on the, on the ground, as they are now, I put my bagger on and I start picking up grass and leaves together. I put that in a pile and I water it to try to do a fast job of, of uh, composting. Uh, and I leave it for the winter. Of course, it doesn't heat all winter. It heats really well in fall, uh, but it doesn't heat through the winter. It freezes. And then in, in spring, I might add some more water and stir it again until I need to distribute it in the garden in order to till my garden, to work it in. So at that point, the, the pile of leaves and grass are uh, partially composted, not completely. It looks kind of, uh, it's brown and it's sticky, but it's not black and, and fine and granular like good compost should be. So I work it in anyway with my tiller, and then I plant my garden. I have read or heard that, that it takes nitrogen to, to uh, break down organic matter in the soil. And I'm wondering if I'm putting too much organic matter in my soil uh, and, and hence my corn looks yellow and, and generally my garden looks a little bit anemic. Is that a plausible theory? Um, that could be a plausible theory. Now, is the soil, I don't know what the soil uh, medium is like in your location. Is it clay-based or are you um, a little bit more on that edge of where we get a little bit more sandier out that way? My, my garden soil is, is, I would say, a nice mix. Uh, it's probably been hauled in uh, when, okay. when the property was developed. It, it has a, a good tilt to it. It's not, it's not chunky or, or hard to manage at all. Okay. All right. Because sometimes some soils, in, and because we are very, um, our soils have a tendency to revert to a very alkaline uh capacity that's in there uh, the soils that we do get still are a little bit more alkaline and a lot of the plants that we do grow um, there's that acidic table that we kind of remember from high school uh, that shows the acidic from 0 to 14 with 7 as being quite um, sort of that neutrality area okay. most most um, sorry here <clears throat> most uh, plants like that slightly acidic content tent that's in there you know if we're a little bit below that number seven level into that most plants like that and by adding certain compositions of it we have a tendency even naturally our own soils will revert to that clay area that's why we're always uh, supplementing with more acidic content uh, properties that are in there like uh, if you're adding any uh, type because you don't have acidic content with grass clippings or with leaf clippings. Right. We we need to get um, and when you have a a lower pH on it, that's that acidic content, which helps to bring with the greenery effect on plants. So that's how do it. I increase the acidic content? You can increase it by uh, you can add peat moss to your garden. Okay. Uh, peat moss is very acidic that's on there. You can add, uh, if you have compost, if you're going to do some composting, uh, and probably if you could do a cycle of a couple of years just to get a little bit more 
cooked in areas that's on it. Uh, if you have droppings of evergreen needles or cedar dropping, like cedar drops, right. uh, you know, cedars always naturally shed some of that. Right. You can add sort of elements into that that's on it. Till so what should, what should the pH ideally be in my garden? Uh, it depends on what you're growing. If you're at 6.2, 6.5, 6.8, in through there, slightly lower. Okay. And some plants even like to go like 5.8 or 5.9, you know? Okay, okay. And um, I always find, too, that in the interim, if you've got the property to do composting in that area, uh, if you have a larger pile, it seems they will, if the larger the pile, it will stay warmer longer, even right. in the wintertime. Right. Because that inner core stays warm, right? Right. Um, adding that, in the interim, for some of your shrubs, and pre- if there's perennials or shrubs in other areas, um, adding a little bit. Now, don't go to the other side and the other extreme by adding manures. Uh, you can add manure into there, which has a slightly more um, that ureic and acidic content. That's to it, too, as well. Okay. okay? But well-composted manure, okay, because yeah. <clears throat> there is the extreme where, um, in some cases... Uh, I've heard stories where people have come in and say, yeah, I just went and got a whole bunch of manure and put it in. That could cause burning. So the manure has yeah. to be composted. Right. Okay. Right. Is that, that's that gold, you know, that uh, black gold is, you know, I'm not talking oil, but I'm talking in the gardening world, yes. black oil is really rich compost. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so and I'm talking about a vegetable garden. This is not a flower garden. This is strictly yeah. my vegetable garden. Yeah. So I should be aiming at somewhere between a pH somewhere between six and seven, probably. I yes. have a little meter that apparently measures that. Yeah, if you're between six and seven, uh, there's not a lot of plants that like that al- alkalinity that's really, really high. And watch too, because sometimes um, if you're watering with well water, um, there is an effect that you can get also uh, if your well water is a slightly more uh, saline, because a lot of times if you have a measurement on your water content, sometimes if you're slightly saline, that will cause yellowing on plants too as well. They won't okay. have that crispness or, or deep green effect that's on there. Okay, I, okay? Use, uh, I use city water when I water the garden. Okay, all right. Well, that's good. That's good. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. That's, uh, that's interesting and helpful. Thank you, Carla. Oh, you're very welcome, and thank you for calling in, and thank you for listening. Oh, you're welcome. Have okay. Day. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. We'll be right back after this message. Thank you, everyone, for listening from everywhere from Kinnesota to Steinbeck and well beyond south. We'll be back next weekend on the Lawn Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.